Well, hello again. We're so glad you're with us to worship and uh, get into God's Word today from H2O and everybody else outside the H2O realm, wherever you're joining us from. We are so glad that you're here uh, to celebrate with us. What a great season coming off of Easter last Sunday, just thanking God and worshiping Him for the risen Lord, uh, our Savior that was crucified and rose again. What an amazing weekend that we had last weekend, and so excited to continue that into this week. We're going to be talking about the power that we have in us to influence other people. You know, we've been talking about this for weeks leading up to Easter, that Jesus is risen. Our Lord is risen. And it's a time to go. It's a time to go and love other people and influence them. And even thinking about this teaching and how that goes into the book of Acts, which is right after the Gospels, talking about the acts of the apostles, the actions of the apostles. Some people call this book the acts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and how he gives us power today. So very excited about sharing that. And so I was just kind of thinking about the things that we anticipate in life. Uh, just kind of go with me here with this emotion and this thought. If you can imagine a time where you were really looking forward to something, maybe you're into music, maybe you're into sports, maybe it was a new job or graduation or marriage or whatever that first thing or that, that thing you've been anticipating, and you're just looking forward to it, you're excited. But that day comes where you're going to go get on the field and play, or you're going to be in a, in a show, and you're, you're going to stand up in front of people. Maybe you're presenting something, a new job. Again, whatever it might be for you, can you remember that anticipation? Can you remember the butterflies in your stomach? Maybe there was even some doubt in your mind of like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? This is really a new experience, and I'm a little bit nervous. I'm excited, but I'm like even doubting and wondering, how is this going to go? That was really the emotion and the excitement after Jesus rose from the dead. We've been talking about how through the Gospels for those three years, Jesus was telling his disciples, he was telling his followers, something amazing is going to happen. I'm going to die for your sins, and I'm going to rise again, and you are going to go be my spokespeople in this world. Now, people were having doubts, and they weren't even understanding what Jesus was talking about, and there was so much fear. There was so much uh, you know, sorrow when he was put in that tomb. But just imagining when they saw the risen Lord, when they actually got to eat with him and touch him and hear his words, the excitement, they would probably be having that feeling like, wow, what next? It's time to go. It's time to go do something. So we're going to jump into the book of Acts following up from this, this Easter Sunday. It says in the word that for 40 days, he was revealing himself to the disciples and giving them this mission giving them these orders of what was going to happen next, and it was an exciting time. So let's jump into Acts 1, and I want to share some different uh, points with you uh, today from this passage. If you want to turn to Acts 1, you can. Uh, some of those slides will be coming up here on the screen. So we're going to start in Acts 1, verse 3. Now this is written by Luke, the same one that wrote the Gospel Luke. He was a doctor. He was into scientific things. And he said, hey, I wanted to give my account that he gave in, in Luke, but he said, I also want to present these things of the Acts of the Apostles. And in verse 3, it starts off like this. 
After his suffering, Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, this is John the Baptist, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing I want to pull out of that passage is our first point for today. He's telling them, don't go. Wait. Wait on God, knowing that we need his power. Knowing that the disciples needed God's power before they were sent out on this mission. Now, we've all been doing a lot of waiting, haven't we? We're anticipating something. We're ready to go. We're ready to be back together. We might be ready to go do this new thing that God has given us to do, uh, a new phase of life, whatever it might do, we might be. And we're sometimes just eager. We want to go. Like, let's, let's get something happening here. And I imagine the disciples felt that way. After eating with Jesus and hanging out with him and seeing him, their excitement was so high. But Jesus says, I want you to wait I want you to stop, not go like we see through most of the book of Acts, but he says, don't go. I want you to stay in Jerusalem because you're not ready yet. You need something very important before you go. In this waiting, in this time of stillness, in this time that we need patience is so important in our lives because we are reminded all through scripture that we need to be still before God. We need to be patient. We need to spend time with God. We need to be in prayer and asking him to help us, to know what our marching orders are, to know that we need the power of God's spirit to be able to go do any endeavor that he has asked us to do. But that is so difficult. We're a, we're a busy people. We're a hurried people. We did this series a little while back. I encourage you to go back and hear some of those from some of our other Pastors just talking about the importance of the rhythms of life and silence and solitude and quietness. Why? So that we can experience God in a deep way. This next note I want us to really think about is we can spend our whole life hurrying to the next thing, living our lives in our own strength. Isn't that so true? I'm so tempted to be hurried in my life assuming that I know what God wants me to do, or assuming I can just do this on my own. And of course, it's, it's good to be active, and it's good to be going to do things, which we're going to see through the rest of this passage. But at the beginning, just like in Jericho, when Joshua was going in to take Jericho, there was this time of worship and prayer before they went and did the endeavors for God. Many times, God calls his people not to go do something, but to first start off and wait and be patient. You know, in our pride, if we're really honest, we could say to ourselves, we don't want to wait. We don't want to depend on God. We want to say, you know, I kind of know what I'm supposed to do. I just want to go and get this thing done, whatever it might be. I don't need God. That pride inside of us, that self-dependence that we all want to have can lead us into a place where not, we're not being filled by the Spirit. We're not in a prayerful place. Sometimes we struggle with apathy, where we think, I don't really even care what God wants me to do. I just want to be the boss of my own life. 
I really don't even want to go do anything for God. And these things in our lives can get us into a habit where we don't need God. In this passage, Jesus is reminding the disciples, what I'm going to ask you to do, what he's saying to them and what he's saying to us today, is what I'm going to ask you to do, trust me, you're going to need me. This is going to be really difficult. It's going to be a hard adventure. So he tells them to don't go, but just wait for the Holy Spirit. Let's read on, starting in verse 6. We're moving on still in Acts chapter 1. He says, Then they gathered around him, Jesus, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking about this earthly kingdom, this physical realm. They're tired of the Romans, you know, dominating over them. You know, Jesus, you've risen. You've got this power. Are we now going to take over and have our own kingdom? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but here's the big idea for today. Here's the important key passage, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, don't worry right now about these physical kingdoms. There's something so much more important that I have for you, and I want you to build this heavenly kingdom. I want you to bring people to me, this kingdom that is beyond this world, and you are going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. He says, you're going to receive this power. It's going to come inside of you. This is how I'm going to dwell inside of you. And you're going to go be an influencer for me. You're going to influence people in Jerusalem where they were at the time. You're going to influence people in this region of Judea. You're even going to go influence the people of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The people that were not Jewish. The people that they were thinking were the outcasts that they probably weren't going to uh, initiate much with or be in relationship with. He says... I want you to go and be my witness. I want you to be my influencers in this whole world. So the second point is this. There is an unimaginable power in the Holy Spirit. There is a power of the Holy Spirit that is beyond what we can imagine. Now, this logical side that we maybe all have can kind of kick in and think, man, is this really true? I mean, this really challenges a lot of people's whole worldview of a spiritual kingdom and of God. And, and, and really, am I, am I going to go through life depending on this unseen God? Do I really need the Holy Spirit in my life to do the daily things that I'm, I'm involved in every day? And the answer is yes. If we just believe that there's no spirituality, that this whole earth is just some kind of cosmic accident, then we're part of that cosmic accident. And we don't really have any purpose. We don't have any spiritual purpose. We just live our own lives in a selfish way. But the Bible tells us over and over again, there's an incredible spiritual realm that we can't see. There is a God. He has given us a purpose, and it is beyond this world. And there's a, a spiritual power that we need to accomplish this, and it's beyond what we can imagine. When I was thinking about this world, word power, I was thinking of an illustration, and I was gathering my family together, and I said, hey, 
You know, the, the people that, um, like the Amish community, came to my mind. And I'm not throwing the Amish under the, the bus here. It's just kind of a, an analogy that I think you'll kind of connect here. But I was just thinking about what do we know about the Amish community? What are the things that come to my mind and to your mind? Maybe we think, oh, they, they, they live with plain clothes, or they're trying to escape the things of the world, the tangles of the world. Um, but one of the first things that comes to my mind, maybe you're, you're listening to this and you think, what do you think of the Amish? You might think they don't use electricity. That's probably one of the things that comes to mind. Now, I asked my daughter, Bella, hey, Bella, you know about the Amish. What do you think about the Amish? And she said, first thing she said, they make great apple butter. I said, yes, amen to that. They did, do make amazing apple butter. But going on with this analogy, the main thing is that they, they don't use electricity. And to carry this illustration a little further, you know, the Amish, they believe that electricity exists. Of course they do. They know it's there. They know how to plug things into the walls. They, they, they understand that it's around them, but they don't believe they should use it. So they're disconnected from the power. And again, I don't mean to um, make any other comment about that, but just this illustration. I wonder how often as Christians we live according to that same idea when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is there are many Christians, there's, there's many of us that maybe struggle with knowing that that power exists, but am I really plugged into it? Is it something that I use on a daily basis? Do you know of the Holy Spirit's power, or do you, and do you use that power? That's a question I want you to really ponder and think about. Yeah, I know of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I go to church. I, I call myself a Christian. I believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know of the Holy Spirit's power. I don't fully understand it, but it's out there. But yet, do we really tap into it? Do we really understand the incredible power of the Holy Spirit? Jesus calls this a gift that this Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of us. And just in this next chapter, we get to see the fruition of what this is. You know, we can have all kinds of different debates about, you know, what does this mean to have this, the Spirit's power inside of us? And many different denominations will have their different takes on what does that mean? What is the manifestations of that? And talking about the gifts and, and prophecy and, and all the different things that how it affects us and how it affects other people. But the first thing that we see is what? In Acts chapter 2, it's called the day of Pentecost. And this is when that outpouring of the Holy Spirit happens. In this next chapter, Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. I want you guys to be gathered together because you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and fills all these new believers. And Peter just starts speaking this incredible sermon and he's sharing things from the Old Testament about how Jesus had to die and rise again and what Messiah was all about. And it's this powerful teaching. The man, Peter, that was embarrassed of Jesus, the man that cowered in fear, the man that had all kinds of different issues of brashness and all his, his, his issues that, that we get to see in the Gospels. Now this man stands up with this power in him, the Holy Spirit, and he gives this message, and it says 3,000 people believed in Jesus 
and we're baptized. Wow. We get to see the power of the Holy Spirit and how it influences other people to come to know him. Let me read in Matthew 28, just reminding us of what this mission is all about and why we need the Holy Spirit. We call this in Christianity the Great Commission, and it's really just what Jesus said is, hey, here's the endeavor. Here's the mission that I want you all to be a part of. It's in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He gave this command, he gave this commission to his disciples. And he said, now I want you to go and I want you to find other people that you can influence and help them follow me and teach them to do the same over and over and over again, which now applies to us today. Now you're hearing this and you're thinking, Matt, you know, gosh, Peter, I mean, he's, he, he was one of the apostles and, and, and Jesus was very God incarnate. And these people were heroes. They were superheroes, as we just talked about in our say hi. These, these people had power. That was kind of their job. You know, they, they were special people. So they could go out and do this. But are you saying that I'm supposed to do this? I'm supposed to influence other people for Jesus? And the answer is yes. Our third point from this Matthew 28 is this. The Holy Spirit's power is moving through us as we influence others for Jesus. We could talk for many, many sermons and have many dialogues about all the things that the Holy Spirit does. And again, even as I mentioned, in all these different denominations, there might be some discussion, there might be some lively debate about what the Holy Spirit does. But all Christians and all denominations would agree upon this. When you see the Holy Spirit showing up throughout the New Testament, and as millions of people have attested to, when the Holy Spirit is working through us, we're influencing other people that don't know Jesus to know Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. We all agree upon that. We know that that is the case of what Scripture is telling us. So you might ask yourself, well, man, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, why do I even need God? Why do I need God? Why do I need this power in my life? You know, I'm going through my life and I feel like, okay, I can handle my, my family. I can handle my marriage. I can handle my job. I, I can kind of go through my life and kind of get my to-do list and just kind of do what I'm supposed to do. And as I mentioned, many people, even Christians, go through their whole life disconnected from the power of God. And the reason that we can do that is we might not be doing what God's actually asking us to do. And you know, that's, that's always challenging to hear. It's even challenging for me to say that if you answer that question today, you say, why do I need God? And you can't think of why you need God. You've really got to come to grips before God and say, God, am I even doing what you want me to do? Am I really living the life that you want me to do? Because the Holy Spirit working through us 
is influencing other people to love Jesus. We all need to know God. We need to be in this relationship with him. That is our purpose. It's our very purpose. The reason for our existence is to be intimate with God, to know he loves us, to know he's speaking kind words to us. He's forgiven us through Jesus Christ. And there are many people that don't know that. There are many people suffering in in their shame and in their guilt and in isolation and loneliness, and God wants them to know his love. And he's given us that job. He's given us that command and that imperative to go. And if you're like me, that makes your, your knees knock. It gets those butterflies going. Am I really going to put this upon myself to be a conduit for God? And that's really the word. We're just simply vessels. As I was talking about electricity before, when you think of going out and influencing people to know Jesus, we're really just that electrical cord, you know? It doesn't have anything moving through it. It's not anything special, but you plug it into the wall, and now all of a sudden, that electricity starts running through it. I remember as a young person grabbing an electric farm fence when I was a kid, and I was holding a drink in my hand. And if you've ever been electrocuted, I hope not, but if you've ever been shocked doing some electricity, you know there's some power there. I had a drink in my hand, and I didn't know it was an electric fence, and I just kind of leaned up against it, and then all of a sudden, I was like, why am I wet? Because I just was shocked and threw the drink all over myself, and it took me a few seconds to kind of regroup and say, wow, something just happened. Something just moved through me, and that is what God is asking us to do. It's scary to, to, to plug in to allow ourselves to be this vessel for God's word to go out, to love people, to serve people, to forgive people, to use our words and our actions that we could actually move the needle. And I know that word of just, you know, we talk about in the church evangelism or or going out on a mission or or are you trying to talk me into being a Christian? And, And we have all different kinds of feelings and emotions and is this awkward? And that's why I love that word influence. Every one of you listening right now, you influence people. If you haven't thought that deeply about that, I want you to really think about that for just a moment. Whether we acknowledge it or not, the way we talk, the way that we live, the choices that we make, someone is watching us at home, in our neighborhoods, in our work. We're influencing people. Whether we really make it strategic or we're intentional about it, we're influencing people. And God is saying, I want you to really make that intentional. You're influencing people, and I want you to point them toward me. You know, whenever I go to speak like this, or I, I, I get this, you know, the, I feel, man, God's prompting me to go talk to someone, or, or we go on these mission trips, or you're just talking to your neighbors, whatever, and you say, I want to bring up spiritual things. You know, one of the first doubts that comes to many of our minds is, why me? You know, I'm kind of, I got my own issues Who am I to be a spokesperson for Jesus? And we could think, man, I got to get my own life together before I could even point anybody to God. And that leads us to our last point. 
the fourth thing. Our struggle in our own lives is an opportunity to experience his power. You do not have to have it all together. None of us do to go out and love people and influence them and ask them spiritual questions and tell them God loves them or invite them in to these different realms where they can hear about God. We all have doubts about ourselves, but those struggles in your life do not let you off the hook to influence other people. Matter of fact, those could be very comforting to other people to say, look, I'm a broken person. I do not have it all together. I make mistakes all the time, but I'm so thankful for God's forgiveness. I'm so thankful that he's not done working on me. And these struggles in our life can actually be very comforting to other people. And these struggles in our life point us to our need for God. We have things going on in our own lives, our own temptations, our own difficulties, our problems at home, our problems in all these different realms, maybe things that we've been even, it's been difficult to tell the people around us how much we're struggling. And you know, the great apostle Paul, he had struggles. He had a difficulty like that. We see this in 2 Corinthians he had probably some kind of physical ailment that we don't quite understand. And in this chapter, all we know is that he's crying out to God, would you please take away these struggles so that I can go and do the work that you want me to do? And he's crying out to God. And here's what God says back to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. You see, his grace is sufficient for you. And if you want to go through your whole life depending on your own power, it's not going to be much. You're going to be about doing about this much in life of what God wants you to do when his plan for you is to do so much more. Because in the spiritual realm, we're weak. And that weakness is good. That's something to be celebrated because it makes God's power perfected. It makes God's power seen because he's working through us. He's working through these broken vessels to do something amazing. As I pray for you today, I would just ask you to really lean into this and just say, God, am I living in the power of the Holy Spirit? Am I really getting my, my direction from you? And then saying, God, you know, live inside of me. Help me to do uh, really scary things. Help me to take some risks for you. Help me to think deeply about how I'm influencing the people around me. And God, I need you. I need you in my weakness to really impact the people around me this week. We cannot do that alone, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do amazing things, things far beyond what you can do in your own strength, things far beyond what you could imagine. And we pray and hope that every Christian would be understanding that and walking in that.
every day. Let's pray and ask him to really fill us with his power. God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your word, to celebrate this Easter season. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead. If you've overcome death, if you can heal all these people, if you can create everything around us, surely you have a power beyond ourselves to help us with the smallest and the biggest thing of life. God, we ask specifically, Lord, the struggles and the temptations that we're going through at this time. Have we ever even prayed about it? Are we really being honest and faithful to say, God, there's some stuff going on in my life that I can't do alone. I'm trying to do it and I'm not getting anywhere and I'm just being stubborn or I'm being prideful or I'm being apathetic. And God, I want to experience your power in this area of my life. God, help us to really lean into that. Help us to really plug into your power because you want to change us. You want to show your power in our weakness. And God, I pray for every person listening to us uh, that we would just really ponder, Lord, who are the people around me that you want me to influence this week? Direct us. Speak to us. And when we're nervous and those butterflies are in our stomach because we're about to make a step of faith to be an influencer for you, let us experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power that we might be a light to the people around us. And God, just build our faith. Fill us with faith as we do that. We so thank you, God, for that promise at the end of the Great Commission. And no matter where you go, Jesus, you said, I'm with you. I'm with you. You can do this with me. We're so grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen.